Today at the SDGI Directors in Dialogue, BAFTA and ACE winning editor Tony Cranston discusses the role of the editor in conversation with director Shimmy Marcus. process and then get into the creative kind of discussion of style and I've got some clips that will illustrate some of the things that I want to talk about. Um, so um, this room, if you were conversing with a Final Cut Pro or an Avid and you shot your own stuff, you could edit it. You know, why do you need? Why do you need someone like me to come in and sort of fuck around with your stuff, you know? Um, um, so in answer to that, I'd say that um, you know, it goes without saying that um, <coughs> an editor is a sort of collaborative storyteller that works with you. You know, you all know that. Um, I like to kind of think of the editor as being priest therapist. You know, there's <laughs> a kind of there's an extension to to the role, and um, you know, the cutting rooms can be a very sort of private kind of arena and. Uh, I'd say that you know, putting aside ability, you know, whether you're gonna, whether you choose Thelma Schumacher to cut your your film, or you choose me, you know, the ability is is there. You, you know, we can, as I say, iPhones, kids using computers, anyone can kind of edit. <coughs> but um, the most important thing for you guys is to choose the right person because you're going to be spending an awful long time in a very confined space with someone and you're probably going to get to know them better than you'll see them more than you're going to see your partner. You know? so how do you a, choose the right editor? How do you choose the right yeah. editor? Yeah. You've just got to meet them and if you get on with them, you know, you'll, you'll know what their CV is um, so you know that they've got the ability. But you know, can, <coughs> can you just sit down and have a laugh with this, this person? You know, do you... Do you just, do you gel, you know? It is, you know, I wouldn't say, I'd say it's kind of pretty much if you were kind of, you know, going to a club and you chose, you know, someone to dance with, you know, you're choosing them for a reason. There's, there's got to be some kind of chemistry, you know? Um, and so I'd say that's the most important thing. Don't, don't let kind of a production throw an editor at you. Actually meet them and kind of go, okay. You know, just because that, that person just seems to be you know, the go-to person in town doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person for you. So it's, uh, Is it important to look for someone in the, with experience in the same genre of the film you're cutting, or <coughs> should that be that an issue? Exactly. I'd say no. I'd say no. I'd say that, you know, just because they cut a big kind of, you know, shoot em up movie, and that's what you're kind of doing, I'd say that that wasn't kind of really important. Um, Probably, I can contradict that by saying kind of a big visual effects piece. If you're doing a big kind of green screen computer graphics, then you'd probably be best suited to finding someone that has a bit of that experience. But you know, those kind of, those big movies don't come around that often. You know. we're, we're all turning them down. And, yeah, <laughs> and I'd, I'd kind of, I'd, uh, 
had agreed that that was the right decision. Um, so yeah, um, ed editing. Um, it used to be this invisible art, you know. I mean, you know, years ago, nearly a hundred years ago, um, it was quite common for um, the crossover between the costume department and the editing department. You get someone working in costume, and there was actually a kind of a, you know, the seamless art that the way you kind of stitch um, cuffs onto a sleeve and a sleeve onto a jacket, you know that was kind of seen as being a similar route for editing. That, you know, editing isn't like the modern, modern editing films were a much slower pace. And so there was this invisible art, you've got the wide shot, and at some point you're gonna go into a two shot and the editor would kind of, you know, give you a nice, smooth continuity cut into the two shot. And the idea was the audience didn't even know before, you know, it happened and then they realized, oh, we feel a bit closer to the subject now. All art of editing has kind of changed in a, in a quite quite significant way, and it's kind of you know it's very important for for you guys as directors to be so um, certain and strong about the film that you want to make, you know. And it's um, it's all well and good to have you know two or three great actors in a beautifully designed room with some great script, and they kind of choose their time to kind of play out this scene and tumble out this dialogue but you've just got to be really aware that you know on the floor you, you see it happen and you go that's fantastic you know I love that take I'm really really happy with that take um, but you know all those pauses you go three months down the line and you're you're into kind of your producers are coming in you're into test screenings and everyone else and they say oh yeah the scene's great the actors are great yeah it looks really great it's really quite slow it's a bit boring isn't it and you're saying how can a scene be boring? You know, he's telling her that he killed the cat and he still <laughs> loves her and he wants to emigrate to New Zealand. And, and yeah, but it's kind of why does he have to walk over there and pick up that book and look at that photograph? Can't he just say the lines? And so you end up then in the cutting room, your editor, you know, how do we kind of sort this out? You know, we've got, you know, the coverage we've got is a is a three shot and we've got three singles and that's about it and you end up with this you see it all the time in film if you look really really closely you see this kind of awkwardness in a scene that isn't kind of particularly pleasant where they sort of, there's a cutaway to someone that isn't really for any particular length of time it's like a second and a half cutaway and someone kind of goes, oh, yeah, scratches their cheek and then you cut back and the person that was kind of stood here is now kind of stood over here and it's kind of going yeah, it's, all, all feels a bit wrong and so, you know, with that performance, that'll be the one that stays in the film. But, you know, it's, it's good to just bear in mind when you're shooting, just to kind of, you know, put a lick on it sometimes with, with the, when you're shooting. And I'll, I'll go into that in a bit more detail when we kind of talk about kind of style, because um, there's a kind of a few things that I'm very aware of and ha had the experience of um, that, uh, that crop up time and time again. Um, the role of the editor, when does the editor start? Um, I have cost implications involved, um, but you find that you know, you've met your editor, you've chosen your editor, it's someone you like, someone you can spend time in a room with, um, and they won't turn up for work until the first day of the shoot. That's when they kind of, the cutting room opens and the dailies start coming in. 
of course they've read the script, they may have come to the read-through, but I, I think that um, because that person that you've chosen to edit your film is going to work so closely with you further down the line, you know, even if they're not on the payroll, you know, get into meeting for coffee, talk about the script. I've kind of had a couple of directors that I've worked with um, over the years. <laughs> One of them kind of loves to do this thing where he says, right, let's, let's you know, come round to, to my house, we'll sit down, we'll look at the script, we'll go through it, scene by scene. He said to me, how do you visualise that scene? And, you know, I'll be like a, a monkey running around the room and saying, oh yeah, I expected her to be lying down there and you were looking at her like that. And then this scene, I expected <coughs> it to be like this. And when I saw a red brick wall in this scene, and you kind of go, yeah, we're talking load of whole shit as far as I'm concerned. But then throughout the hundred scenes, there might be one thing that I'd say, and you kind of go, tell me that again? What did you say that? I say, that, because this happens earlier on in the script. The editor will see something yeah, that might be useful to you. So I'd, I'd really say, you know, use them. And <clears throat> if the editor's got the passion and wants to do your film, they will be more than happy to read the script and meet you and discuss it and be part of the process. You know? I, I go even Did as far. Set? No, but I go on recce's. I've, I've I've been kind of had it commented to me a couple of times. We don't usually see an editor on a recce. I said I just fancy coming out for the day and just you know walking with the director and just kind of you know just seeing what they're they're looking around and what they're kind of thinking of shooting. Yeah, okay, yeah, this is and so, but I w I'd never go out on the set during the shoot. I don't want to know that kind of you know, your actor's driver overslept and he was late. I don't want to know that. That's spoil, that spoils yeah. the illusion for me. I look yeah. at it. I look at your rushes and I kind of go, "That ah, looks great to me." And you'll be kind of going, "I had half an hour to shoot <laughs> that scene, and every time they closed the door, that wall kind of bounced, and you know, the the sound recordist couldn't hold the or the boom operator couldn't hold the boom properly, and he kept dropping it." You know, I. I'll watch uh, your rushes and react to your rushes in a, you know, you're, I'm your first viewer. You know, that's one of the wonderful things about an editor. You know, it's, it's the response that the editor gives as the first view of your rushes. <clears throat> and I go back to something about choosing the right person, about kind of honesty. Because I, I believe it's, you know, um, I've picked up a few Irish words in the five years that I've been here, but... Um, I don't think an editor should plumos a director. That's the right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really important that you have um, an open, honest dialogue because that your editor is the first person to see it. And I know it's so tough on you guys when you're out there, you're in kind of you know mud up to your waist, and it's pissing with rain, and you know there's cattle on the road, and it's just it's hell. And you get back, you've, 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 you wrap at seven o'clock and then you've got a production manager bleeding in your ear and saying, you know, why didn't you complete that scene? And then you get back into your hotel room and then, you know, oh, Tony's been on the phone, he wants you to call him. Oh, fuck, call Tony, you know. Um, and, but, you know, and I'll, it's, it's, it's I, I believe it's good to hear the positives and the negatives. You know, and, and it can be tough, you know, if you've had a, a long day in a muddy field for your editor to say, you know what, I kind of, 
the way she reacted to to that scene wasn't quite how I thought you were going to do it. Oh, what's the, what's the problem? What did you what did you expect? No, just let's discuss it. I thought she was going to do this, and isn't there a? So this was a view to trying to pick it up the next day if you're still on the scene. It's not necessarily surf, about picking it up. It's just just to kind of with a with an eye on the story because you know when you're out there shooting, you know things are changing all the time. Props are changing. Some you know you're a pity you guys as directors because the amount of kind of you know I've witnessed it and spoke to a few directors that they say there's absolutely you know the day goes so quickly and you know costume are coming up and saying oh when we shoot the scene with Susie when she's supposed to be in the flat in Argentina I was going to put her in a yellow trouser suit and you're kind of going yeah that's fine and then yeah someone's going ah yeah and what about the scene you know over there, I was going to paint the wall blue, and you're kind of going, no, I don't like blue, paint it red. Red? Well, the costume... Yeah, so many things are bamboozling you, you know, and so it is important that, you know, you see your editor as as a friend, you know, um, and it's that kind of relationship. So you can kind of talk openly and just talk about the story. It's just about the story, that's all it is, and it's kind of... If I felt... I was surprised by something in the rushes or something unexpected happened. I'd want to tell you, you kind of go, yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I wanted you to feel. And you go, oh, fine, I thought she was supposed to do this. And you say, yeah, but I intend to now bring that in in scene 38 when she opens the door to the milkman. You kind of go, okay, that's that's cool. It's it's not gone. It's still going to come up in the story because we have to be mindful that in the denouement that kind of thing happens. So it's it's good to have that dialogue. But I, I think, you know, Whoever you choose as your editor, get you know, get a real honest relationship going, and say, look, you know, if you think it's, if you think a shot is, you know, not to the standard that you think it should be, then talk to me about it. Tell me openly. Don't just kind of say, oh yeah, it's all great. Yeah, the rushes are all, they're all in focus. And you know, well, of course I know it's all in focus. I've got a focus puller. He's going to tell me if it's out of focus, or you can see it on a monitor. You know, so you know, I think that's. That's something that's really important, you know. And I'm not saying it changes anything. You know, you'll you'll, you'll shoot your next film and there won't be any issue. You know, and I'm not saying your editor's there to solve any problems, but they do. Well, I certainly do. I kind of, you know, the script is really, really important. Is your background uh, well, a literary one that you essentially I, are? I, yeah, I've, I mean, I've got a book on the go all, okay. all the time. You know, okay. um, I love reading, so mm. it's. Um, uh, but I haven't. I've, I've, my, my background. So it's not from a, a kind of a technical, you didn't get it in on a technical level. No. It was no. more of a narrative. This is purely storytelling. It's technical. purely story. Yeah. Purely story. Okay. And um, yeah, it's as simple as that, you know. Okay. Um, the key thing I think we forget sometimes as directors. Yeah, you can just get wrapped yeah, up so much is, that. It's storytelling, basically. Oh, and one thing, you know, that we were discussing kind of a little earlier on is that, that certainly with feature films as opposed to television drama um, is script editing and because TV drama seems to kind of work in this thing where they have kind of an army of script editors and whether it's a big American series you know they're, they're shooting kind of series one and they know exactly in series five that you know Mary's going to have a baby boy you know it's, it's so planned out but with a feature film you know it, that's been your passion you've been carrying it around for 
a year with a writer and you're gently working at it, you're trying to raise the finance and all of a sudden, you know, tomorrow you get a call and they say, the last bit of finance is in, we're shooting a week on Monday, you know, and it's, it's happening before you've even known it and you haven't really, you haven't really honed the script editing side to the degree that it should be honed. And so, you know, yes, you have a shooting script and, you know, there are ongoing discussions about it all the time. But you will find that, you know, when you, when you get into the editing process, you know, that day that you watch the shooting script assembly, you know, there'll be huge euphoria. But that euphoria quite quickly will be to turn into, fuck, is that what we've got? <laughs> is that it? Is there a film there? You know? So, you know, I think it's important to have that dialogue, you know, and I'd say, I mean, I'm, it, it depends on other HODs. You could pick a designer who is kind of got a, a, you know, huge enjoyment of literature and is very kind of into reading the script and your DOP or whoever you might have these relationships with other members of the team. But I would say that, you know, specifically, I see my role as, as, as an editor, not just to cut the pictures, but uh, absolutely, you know, with you guys to work kind of hand in glove with the, the script, you know, it's the script. The script is the thing that we've read that has brought us to the table to kind of work together. So the script is paramount. And I, um, I'd say that, you know, certainly from my, my own perspective, you know, editing the, you know, working on the script is, is so key. And I'd want to have that dialogue with, with you guys, you know, all the way through. You know, from prep into recce's into into shooting and uh, and beyond. You know, they often they often say that the the editing process is the sort of final draft of the script. You know, it's, you all know that kind of stuff, and it is to a degree. Um, you know, we've already discussed about you know how useful an editor can be at script stage. You know, um, before the shoot. You know, you I would kind of work on a film while it's shooting, assemble on a daily basis. I'm sure this is all you know, quite common. Um, I like to think that when, when you watch that kind of first cut, that, that first assembly, that's not kind of the editor's assembly. You know, that's the shooting script assembly. Because you know, when, I, when, I, when I assemble stuff, I'm just assembling loads of scenes in a, you know, all out of order and you know you just piece them together and I kind of like to kind of look at those kind of quite raw I don't I don't like to kind of throw too much temp music or anything at, at the thing at the start I think it's really good to you know let's actually let's feel this thing hurt you know let's watch it and kind of go because if something's really good in in assembly a part of the story really really works completely bald you know that you know, you'll remember that. It's your first feeling. So I'm kind of, but I'd, I'd always be very keen not to tarnish that first private viewing with with a director. Um, and then you kind of go, you know, you go into the sort of the rough cutting process. What you know, some people term call it the director's cut. I, for me, I think the director's cut comes just a little bit later, but it depends on your schedule. Um, but your rough cutting thing and your kind of you know, you're honing the story a little bit, you're throwing out lots of exposition that may, may have been in there. And you're just, you're maybe, again, this script editing thing, you're doing that. So you're all, all kind of, you've been there, you've, you know this kind of thing. Um, the, 
a tough decision kind of comes quite quickly for me. Um, this is where it needs, you know, this is a big decision for the director and it's the point where you open the door and let the producer in. It's, I can't specify enough that you've got to be ready because in the nicest possible way, as soon as the producer's in, the wheels come off of the editing truck you know, and you're kind of, you know, you might have a producer who's kind of, you know, hands off. A lot of them these days with budgets and everything else are pretty kind of hands on. And I would say to you that there's a part of the editing process which I, you know, it's that fine cutting process, but I, I actually call it a kind of a distilling of the material. And the danger is that as soon as, as soon as the film reaches a point where it starts to look like a film, you're kind of in dangerous territory if you haven't fully explored the cut. Because as soon as you start lashing temp music in and sound effects and you know, you throw some titles on, you do, you know, because you, the equipment can do it, you do a bit of colour grading and everything else. All of a sudden, it's still offline, but it looks like a film. And what you've got to be, you've got to be so careful because, yeah, you're delighted. You go, oh, thank fuck for that. We've kind of, you know, fixed it and it now looks like a film. And let's get these people in and get some feedback. But I tell you, you're then going to hit a slight kind of muddy slope where you might want to take the process on a bit more and people will kind of, they'll, they'll have a different reaction. Everyone has a different reaction to the first cut. And your reaction when you watch it with your editor is one of, right, we've got to roll up our sleeves and we've got a job to do. When the producer comes in, it's almost like a film. It's not perfect by a long chalk. There's still stuff to do. But <coughs> you're kind of, you know, you might think, actually, you know what, I was thinking we were going to kind of take that scene out. And then you're met with, no, 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 don't take that scene out. That's really, really good. That scene, I love the way that kind of, you know, Joanne eats those sweets. And you kind of go, Actually, I don't. I, I think the story would be best served if we jumped through that and moved on. And you're going to find you you hit these kind of barriers. And some of you may have been down this road and hit that kind of stuff before, where you want to take the thing on, and they won't. They won't let you. There is for me, and I'll, I'll show you the, the first clip. It's uh, don't look now. Um, there's this sequence to me illustrates what you can do if you distill the material. Now, I'm sure you all know the... You may, you may or may not, I'm sure some of you know Don't Look Now, a Nick Rogue film from 1973. Um, it's this particular um, sequence. It's three or four minutes long, but it's the opening of the film where, the little, girl, where the little girl yeah. dies. It's, it's, it's so ahead of its time. You, know, you consider this is you know, nearly 40 years old. That blows me away, that clip. But every time I look at it, I just think, yeah. 1973, that's just yeah. amazing. Dami, do you all, mm -hmm. you all enjoy that clip? Mm. I mean, just this, that's what I mean about distilling the editing process. You know, what, um, uh, and I should kind of, you know, feel it's right to just name check uh, the editor, Graham Clifford, um, Australian editor. Um, what he and Nick Rogue kind of did there, um, yeah. I know the 
it, it feels by today's standards the pace feels very odd you know it's allowed a lot of things to breathe and you know maybe you could kind of get technical and fault some of the operating especially when it kind of go move the camera moves into her and pulls out from the fire you know it doesn't all that kind of stuff is executed a lot better these days but just uh, you can just feel the director's hand you know he he designed that sequence but then there are things in there that the sequence of jump cuts yeah. in the the pond um, you can imagine okay let's just just imagine you know you're shooting with a child actor in a tank you know and she's got to play dead it's pretty hard to imagine that you were going to have a perfect take where Donald Sutherland could lift her out of the water and she wouldn't kind of move an arm or blink an eye or and he had to keep her head kind of closed into the body you can imagine there's a lot of technical things may have got in the way one can imagine and so perhaps that style of editing perhaps they were kind of going okay you know we want this to last longer but the shot's only that long and maybe in conversation with Nicholas and Graham they kind of said well maybe we should jump cut it you know they've gone well you know we haven't jump cut anywhere else well, does it matter you know the tyranny of the jump cut you know I, I, I call it jump cutting is fine you, just because you don't jump cut there it doesn't mean that you can't jump cut somewhere else you can you know f film is a medium it's like it's art you can do whatever you want to do so I, I imagine that sequence came out of a, a conversation of how do we how do we make do amend with this scene and it's it's so powerful it's so wonderfully powerful as I said I pointed out to you the shot of the foot at the end it's something that I think perhaps the editor might have seen and again feeds into letting the editor watch all of the rushes you know the editor would have said oh yeah the takes over you know the main the main actors out the frame you know everyone's kind of by that stage are reaching forward to kind of put the next take mm -hmm. in in the gate and look at it but he's actually kind of saying oh in that moment where the feet you know he's gone but the feet just trail and the way the the composer or you know the use of music with the kind of the water dribbling off the feet and there's a little kind of ding 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 ding, ding on the music the lack of music and the lack of and yeah. sp the, the sparsity of it you know yeah. is 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 quite um, wonderful i kind of i always laugh that actually you know a modern day audience will get a bigger kick out of that cut you know she screams and the drill goes in whereas to me that's just a kind of a very Hey, you know, we can we can all do a kind of a match cut. That's yeah. not, that's just, yeah, it's, that's that's work a day to me. But the construction of the the scene, I love. There's the rhythm of it as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's slightly it's slightly out of time. And there's there's a moment early on where Donald Sutherland kind of, when you know the, the girl kind of drops something and the kid cycles over the glass and Donald Sutherland kind of looks up you know it's almost he's having a, a he sensed something was kind of amiss but couldn't quite articulate it because he's engrossed with, the, with the, the slide and then you know and then when it happens the death happens or the drowning begins to happen you know you've already had a little nugget in there and you completely you go oh fuck you really you know you've seen the kid you haven't seen the girl yet I mean I think that's wonderful that He's holding back, you know. Hold the director, editor, relationship. They're holding back. They're kind of going, you know. He's reacting, um, and the kid, you know, in silence. It's really haunting that kid, kind of running like, kind of, um, 
in silence and then the the discovery then to kind of delay the girl falling into the water in slow-mo you know she should be in the water but she's not we see her yeah. kind of disappear in the yeah. water and it's and I just you know I, I think that that to me encapsulates what you can do when you distill your scene in your film we'll get on to kind of the um, style and kind of showing you some more clips I mentioned about the tyranny of the jump cut I'd love to um, can you put in the usual suspects uh, thank you there's a little it's a very short sequence it's really really funny um, it's um, one of the arrest sequences and I'll um, the the reason I want to show this clip is because it has kind of continuity cutting, but it also has kind of jump cutting. And I just want to make the, the, the point that, you know, you don't just have to jump cut. You don't have to make the whole thing a jump cut sequence if you want to jump cut. You're free to kind of, you know, there's no rules. The rule book of editing kind of went out of the window. It's a very short, short clip, but, you know, there's a number of things that I love about the way that's cut. You know, you've obviously got the feet coming out of the shot and it cuts in continuity, you know, approximately to him kind of walking out in head and shoulders shot. It then goes around the corner and it lets him go around the corner and come back in the same shot before it then cuts to the wide shot where he does the funny walk. Um, that's really important for a number of things and just in simple storytelling terms. If the editor had kind of let him break in the close-up, go around the corner and then cut, and he comes back in the wide shot, you think he was coming around another corner. It's very important for him to know that he'd gone around the corner and gone, oh, fuck, yep, I need to kind of double back. Um, and then, so, those one, two, three cuts, feet, midi medium shot, wide shot, are all in normal continuity. And then, you know, then there's a cut, jump cut, you know, to the hands in the air, there's another jump cut, and then we kind of then there's a continuity cut into the close-up where he's kind of he's pushed down into the car he's got his hands in the air there's a continuity cut and then there's another jump cut and then there's another jump cut so he kind of the tyranny of the jump cut and I, I often you know hear directors kind of talk about oh yeah well we can't jump cut there because we haven't jump cut there just you know toss that rule book straight out of the window you know if, if it serves your story and that's what you want to do you know, and I'm sorry if I'm teaching my granny how to suck eggs, but you know, just go for it. It's you know, if, if, if it works, it works. If it, yeah, you know, and, and the it's, music actually covers that. That's quite. And that's a very and, and that's a, mm. a very important point because kind of John Ottman, who cut that, also composed it. There's a sick yeah, because it was so on the beat with the music. Yeah, because uh, on the jump cuts, yeah. there's a boom, a very soft. And it's not big. It's just very kind of low end bass, but boom. He only uh, scores films these days. He doesn't really cut doesn't really anymore. Cut anymore. No. Yeah, um, but it's so it's so interesting. I mean, that point about music. My God, you know, I could tell you stories where, you know, you've cut sequences in the cutting room, and it's kind of like, you know, yeah, we want to use this track by the Rolling Stones, and it'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, we'll get clearance for it. And you kind of saying, are you sure you're going to get clearance for it? You know, it's the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, we will. And you kind of go. Okay, and you're kind of shaping the scene, and you're kind of cursing yourself as you're doing it because you're cutting it and you can't help. There's a kind of, you know, boom, there's a change of phrase, and you go, oh, it'd be really nice. I wonder what that looks like on that kind of, 
that join there and you kind of go oh god yeah it's really good that it really makes the the thing work in a way that it hadn't worked before and then you kind of go are you sure are you really sure because i'd love to kind of it's great for temping up and showing the you know testing and everything else but you know if we haven't got clearance by the time we're going to pitch a lot we should whip it off and recut the scene because all you're going to be left with is the composer scoring it and he isn't gonna, he's not Mick Jagger you know but as a rule, would you say you shouldn't be cutting to music anyway? And you shouldn't, and you shouldn't. But when there is kind of, you know, I wouldn't let I wouldn't let temp score dictate what I was cutting to. But if yeah. there's a track, someone says we're going to use this track in the film, and it's going to be in the film, then you kind of you have to embrace it. Yeah. Um, but you know the amount of dubs that I've been to, and you kind of the, the reels come up, and then the sequence comes along, and Where's the Rolling Stones? Oh yeah, we didn't get clearance for it. I knew that was coming, yeah. and no one would answer the question. So you know, you're right. You're absolutely right with music. The music does make that kind of work. You know, and I'd say with kind of music, kind of incidental music of any sort. You know, um, a lot of directors actually, when they're kind of they're working the script, they're kind of working the musical tastes. And quite often, if you want the Rolling Stones track playing in your film, get it typed in the scene change. This scene, you know, the Rolling Stones music is playing in this scene and it actually focuses the mind and gets everybody into kind of going, we better clear that piece of music yeah. and then saying to you, actually, shimmy, we can't get the Rolling Stones. And you kind of go, oh, that's a fucking bummer. Especially when you get them to sing the song. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> then they don't clear it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's. That that's uh, a point in question. Now, just with kind of like continuity, you know, um, and I know we all have to kind of you know fall on that sword and live by it. And you have a script supervisor who's going to say, you know, the coffee cups in the wrong hand and all of that kind of stuff. And you might love that take, and someone tells you that there's you know you can't you can't possibly use that take because you know. They got up out of the seat, you know, on the wrong line. I know you have to kind of stick to those rules, and um, they're there to be applied. But discontinuity cutting can be really, really interesting. And I, I'll, I'll show you a clip from Eternal Sunshine, mm -hmm. um, and it's 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 really, really tightly scripted. This scene, but it but it's. It's, it feels discontinuous. You're talking about deliberately fucking with the continuity yeah. to create it, like deliberately crossing the line or something. Yeah, just yeah. To create it. And actually, kind of, you know, letting if you want to let the actors loose and free, yeah. and let them do their own thing, you have to have a, you have to, you've got to bring a particular style of shooting to it. If you kind of, if you shoot, um, sorry, let's say, um, it's. Uh, it's about four minutes in. If you play the volume down, it's the scene where, where Jim Carrey's on the on the train station. Um, the um, you have to bring an approach to it. If you, if you shoot kind of a scene fairly traditionally with a kind of a wide shot and and you know fairly static singles and it's discontinuous, it's going to feel odd, odd bad in the cut. 
it will feel odd, bad. But if you kind of going, actually, I want it to be discontinued, so I want the actors to be free, you've got to then kind of you know, think about letting the camera operating be free as well. And um, this kind of, I, I, I want to make a point about camera operating. Again, you know, you get the impression that I'm a bit of a, an old, old fart in terms of, you know, this is the way we used to kind of do it. But I, I think that there's, it's not always to the betterment of the film that the DOP is the operator. I have to be honest, and that's my belief. And there are some great operator DOPs out there. You know, for example, Anthony Dogmantle won the Oscar last year for Slumdog Millionaire or the year before. Um, I had the pleasure of kind of cutting something with his. He's fantastic. He's a great kind of DOP, and you know, he's a real progressive kind of operator. He really kind of pushes the envelope. But I would say that kind of just in terms of what the operator kind of camera operator can bring to the table for you, you know. Always remember the camera operator is like your audience. You know, he's 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 you and I watching the film. He's going in there, you know, he's it's absolutely person to see he's, he's feeling it, he's right up close. If he feels that he wants to kind of go in there and kind of you know, and come back, and you've given him the direction to flow and move with the shot. He can bring so much to the table, and as an editor, you know, that goes such a long way to giving the film attitude. Is what 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 you tell the operator to do informs me as an operator to offer you as the director something in the cut that is fluid and and really organic whereas if if it's not if it's too kind of traditional you know it has to kind of almost play in a kind of traditional way and sure we can kind of put jump cuts in and we can speed lines up and cut through lines and tighten it up but you're actually going to feel that it it's it's not the scene isn't really doing what it should do it's kind of, and I, I always think you're in trouble when you're kind of trying to make a scene do something in the cutting room that it didn't do on the floor, you know. And I, I often, you know, what I mentioned before about you know the possibility of kind of you shoot a particular take and there's space and air and it's really really good, you know. Think about shooting another one where you just kind of get the actors to cut the air out. Just say so you got it, you know, you got it. You may not use it, but you know, I think there's a very very good chance that when you get in the cutting room and you get further down the line and you get into screenings, you know, someone's going to give you the note. You know, it's almost as if you're, you're sitting on a fucking ticking bomb waiting to go off, you kind of get through the screening and no one mentions that scene and you kind of go, yeah, I can't go through that one then. And then eventually someone's going to say, you know that scene? It's just really slow. I think we just need to, you know, hack through it. And when you do kind of hack through it, it just... Do you know what I mean? When it becomes something that, that it isn't, you know, and I'm sure you've kind of been there and had to had to do it. And you know, I, I watched kind of tons of films. I'm kind of mad, fucked up in the head. I watch kind of like 200 films a year, and you know, I just see all the time. I'm just looking and seeing the editing, and I'm kind of going, God, poor bugger. They've <laughs> really been forced into a corner here. It's not, you know, and I feel for the director as well because you know. They obviously wanted something that the scene now doesn't do, 
and you know, it's it's tough. But anyway, this 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 scene, I think it's is number number two. Um, look at this scene with how tightly scripted it is. You know, it's um, and it's really really fun. Again, I think it's it's just a great scene, and it's so um, so free. You know. Um, all the jump cutting feels as if it's kind of, you know, this, it's because the continuity, the dialogues have got a rhythm, it's tight. I don't kind of, I don't feel, um, you know, thrown by any of that. I love, I love the, the cut where um, she sings Oh My Darling Clementine and literally at the end she does the, you know, that, that kind of thing. We're barely, barely on her. She's yeah. there and the camera's kind of coming off, you know. Um, that's great. It's, imper it's, it's, it's a great cut in terms of rhythm. Whereas, you know, you could argue and say, oh, actually, you know, should we just have the last My Darling Clementine on her and then let the camera kind of pan off? And, you know, the way that scene's constructed, you know, it's absolutely not. No, the, the cut needs to go there. It's, um, but it's kind of discontinuous. But what's, what's lovely about it is that it's, it's kind of handheld, it's very fluid, and there's a lot of choices. So Michel Gondry is kind of, you know, he's, you know, he's shot, shot kind of profiles and a couple of sizes. He's kind of done a couple of alternate angles on the close-up. There's one on Jim Carrey that's kind of very much a sort of a profile. There's another one that's kind of round here. Um, but there's, there's a good rhythm, you know, if you were to sort of close your eyes and just to listen to the rhythm of the dialogue, the rhythm, the dialogue, you know, it's why I say that the script is tight. Yeah. It's kind of quite tight. I'm sure they kind of cut lines in that scene. I'm sure that's without question. But it, it rhythmically, it feels like, you know, it feels like it's really tripping along. And it's, it's got that nervous like, energy that yeah, she really, has as well. Yeah. It's, 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 it's playing that. And of course, you know, there are there are gaps. She goes to sit next to him and she kind of starts to slide out of her seat. And she's already sat there yeah. in the next cut, but the dialogue's kind of continuous. But I, I, I just go, yeah, that's what it is. It's, it feels good. It's quite possible that, yeah, you could shoot, you know, the whole thing on, on the two heads in the back of the train and just have the train outside and you'd still have a, a really funny film. In truth, that's your choice, you know, so I go back to again, you know, you're the director, what do you want to kind of put on the screen? And if you believe that's what it's got to be, that's what it's got to be. I cut something in the UK where there was um, a scene, a director phoned me from the floor and he said, I've got this scene, it's seven minutes long. I went, oh, cool. He said, I'm going to shoot it in one shot. It wasn't like Lee, was it? And I kind of went, oh, fuck, really? He said, yeah, but I'm going to probably, I'm going to do a number of takes and I'm actually going to start the camera in a different place each time, just as a safety, but, you know, I'm going to shoot it in, in one shot. And I told the producers, but I just wanted you to know. And, um, you know, he did, I think he did one, one, he did one close-up of a hand, a ringed hand, kind of just running along the top of a radiator. And, uh, and we used it because we eventually, it was for TV and we had to take a bit of time out. I'll show you this clip, it's, you know, it's a famous clip and I'm, I'm actually going to kind of read you a quote from um, the editor. Um, it's from Gladiator. You know, it's, uh, you all probably know it, but the, the original film was due to start with, um, 
Russell Crowe in the battlefield. And um, oh, the editor, Pietro Scalia, kind of, um, Is, uh, this is what he kind of said. <coughs> um, Throughout, there is a reference to Maximus the general as a man of the land who wants to return to his idyllic family life. It was shot to start with a close-up of Russell Crowe standing in the middle of the battlefield. For the end, Ridley sh shot a sequence where the gladiator rejoins his, uh, joins his, rejoins his dead family in heaven with images of wheat. Um, uh, there was a hand over the wheat shot in this sequence which I saw as a very powerful poetic image which could resonate throughout the whole film. So instead I started the film with this shot and then cut to a close-up of Maximus. It's in his head, that's what he wants to do. The film is about a man who wants to go home. So in the first two shots I state my thesis for the film completely. It's, it's, you know, it's very, very simple, but it's, um, it's very, very powerful. You know. um, and you know that's actually the the close up of um, Russell Crowe that's at the beginning. We should kind of we should just have a look at it. There's a number of things that you know. I love the notion of you know something from the end of the film, and I can see exactly what Ridley Scott was trying to do, or what the script was trying to do. That you have this kind of general in a battlefield about you know it's shot very blue, it feels cold. You know that. You know, there's there's a war, there's a battle going to be, and he's in his thoughts, and he looks at a robin flying off a branch, and then thinks about it, and then it cuts to the big wide shot, and the Roman legion all trundling and massacre a load of barbarians. The 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 the, the first image was kind of trying to say, this is a man, who, you know, is forced into kind of being a general, but he doesn't really want to be. He's kind of conscious. Yeah, there's nature, the robin kind of signifies nature and the land. But I think what kind of, you know, and, I, and I'm sure, you know, Pietro Scalia and Ridley Scott had a, you know, a very long conversation while he was shooting in Malta and Pietro was in the cutting room in London and had this, uh, this thought when he saw the rushes. And I'm sure they probably went through a number of put the shot in, take it out, put it in, take it out, and it ended up being in the film. But it's very, very powerful. Whatever you think about the film... The opening kind of it really informs the opening. It makes you feel for Russell Crowe's character. There's a load of captions at the front, so I'll kind of keep talking, but 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 play it. There are um, there are some other things to kind of you know bring into play. You know, Russell Crowe at this point in his career, and I meant to look up the name of the film and I can't remember it, but one of you guys may have seen it. There was a, an Australian film where he played a bit of a kind of... Yeah. Romper Stomper. Where he played a bit of a thug and that kind of broke him out. And then this film wasn't kind of that far after it. And so he had a bit of a, you know, he's a very square-jawed, very masculine looking. So in order to kind of try and bring empathy to him is kind of a pretty, I'd say it's a pretty tough call for any of you as a director to kind of have someone of that stature and get them to kind of you want, if you want the audience to feel kind of a bit of an emotional pang towards them, but I think you know, what, what transpired with the cut was uh, you know, did it and again that kind of, you know, it's very interesting how powerful that shot, that shot with the hand over the wheat is you know, and there's, you know, Hans Zimmer's music's really, really strong. The 
the choral voices, the kids, you can hear kids in there. There's a lot of subtle stuff that, you know, the direct Ridley Scott, the director's kind of brought in to play in the sound mix and everything else. But I think, you know, what's really key about that is the emotional feeling I have for that character. Unequivocally, I'm not kind of thinking, oh, you know, I'd seen Romper Stomper and I kind of, you know, seen him play this kind of thuggish kind of character. And so you're kind of, you cast big stars, they have a history of kind of films before them. You have to be kind of aware of that with your casting, as I'm sure you are, that what they've done before, you know, if they've been in a big hit, the audience are going to bring some of that to the table when they see your film. So, um, but I think that kind of was a, a very good way of making me empathise with, with him as a, as a character. Just think of Dances with Wolves. You see that yeah. 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 The door, which also yeah. is the only thing I remember from that film. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Um, and I've got one more kind of. Uh, are we still okay for time? Sorry, yeah, for maybe, uh, 10, 15 to Okay. Yeah. Um, um, I just wanted to show you kind of two two clips, and they're they're. Um, there'll be a good discussion point for us to have. Um, <coughs> one's from um, a film called Maria Full of Grace, and one's from City of God. And I know that they're kind of they're doing very different things. We'll look at Maria Full of Grace first. Um, but they are Maria Full of Grace to me is kind of shot um, in a in a particular way. But this sequence that they, the director and editor have tried to cut, they've tried to cut this this sequence to have a bit of attitude, a bit of kind of cool, and it's. To me, it kind of when I saw the film, I kind of went, ah, oh, yeah, it's just you're never going to pull that off with those shots, and I don't think that they do. It's not to say that the film it's detrimental to the film, and you know the film was, you know, Oscar nominated and was well received, but um, I th you know I think what they what they tried to do with the film, and we're, we're looking to go about 11 minutes in on, uh, on this one, um, what they're trying to do with the film is kind of it's a it's a kind of a uh, a bit of a street party, and there's you know, they have the potential in there. There's kind of there's people looking down from balconies. There's some candy floss being made. There's uh, there's a load of trailers on the front of it. I don't know if you can skip through them. Um, look like seven, um, and um, yeah, there's there's a there's a firework going off. There's a band playing. There's guys with kind of drums and trumpets and everything else. But when you when you look at it, it's 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 shot handheld as well. But it is it it just it it lacks a bit of attitude to me to be cool. It's um, you know, and I feel the editor kind of trying to cut it faster than what the material was designed nothing wrong with it f for me but to, to my eye the the way it's shot and the way it's cut are slightly at odds with one another I don't know if you know any of you kind of feel that too yeah. it there's, there's, a, there's a piece missing to me in there and it's just trying a little bit too hard okay so there's no design in the shots, most of them are open, they're not dirty or anything, so you don't yeah. feel like you're in 
like you know even when, I, when mid, 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 it's all yeah, a bit yeah, loose yeah. and when I look at when I look at the trumpet plays you know there's a trumpet player in the foreground and there's two guys in the background and they're not they're just you know playing the trumpet there's no kind of you know there's this the music's kind of doing that you kind of feel that so and it boils down to the kind of operator you know the operator wants to either the operator was being restricted by the director or the operator just doesn't have a rhythmic bone in his body he's yeah. just kind of going okay you know oh it's people dancing it's a bit like you know your dad dancing at a wedding you know it's kind of the movement in some of those shots you felt if you had to run over another frame it was almost like the operator was just finishing the shot and, and t taking the camera off the shoulder so or something. the editor's hunting the editor's definitely yeah, hunting kind of in there to try and find yeah. stuff and but it doesn't and it is, and that scene should yeah. actually be all about her because right. she's going to make a big decision. And she's going to become a mule, yeah. and you know, so, yeah. and it's so it's missing now. It obviously wasn't. You can feel it's a bit of a kind of a a, a bump in the carpet, and they've uh, got to that point, and who knows? You can speculate, but you know, the producers have said, "Oh, you need to this sequence." Maybe there was kind of. The editor and director had kind of constructed the scene where it was more about Maria, and they said, "No, it's really boring. There's music. Kind of cut to the band and get. Let's get lots of things going on here, you know." So I feel, I really yeah. feel for the filmmakers. But this clip is City of God. Um, you know, it's the opening of City of God. It's you know, it's well, it's just fantastic and quite rightly won an Oscar for editing. It's it's magical. But it's for me, it's all about the operating. The editing is just completely in sync with the operating you know, brilliant direction um, energy it's just you know music and it has a kind of a you know not too dissimilar beat to the Maria full of grace kind of thing but for me you know that missed by a huge gulf whereas this just absolutely kind of you know did what it did and it's very distilled this is kind of something that again you know no editor would have kind of assembled it kind of like this initially. This is a whole process of collaboration with the director, you know, to get to where it is. The decisions that they that they made. There's um, interesting things very early on um, with kind of just some cuts to black, you know, and they're 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 there for uh, for for power. that has kind of real kind of attitude it's very very fast but um, you know the operating is kind of you know there's there's little kind of it's on feels like it's on, on a zoom it's on the end of a zoom and there's little kind of you know yeah little adjusts and you know and there's sort of jump cutting in there I love the jump cut on the guy's face when he kind of he laughs he says the chicken's gone and he laughs and then there's a jump cut to him and it's a little kind of repo it's kind of you know it's not literally face to face it's literally there's a, a developed part now you know the editor saw that and kind of, and the director and that's only possible if you're if you if you if you give me the tools to be able to do it I can do it whereas if you go I want a jump cut like that you know you shot you know a handheld shot just on someone's face face like that and said I'll oh, do a jump cut like the city of gold every time it's just going to slap you around the face you're just going to feel it's why is that cut not working? Why did it work on City of God? It worked on City of God because it cut from the face there and then the camera just did that. It's just a tiny, tiniest little repo on it and it, 
it's so powerful, it's great, it just feels in rhythm with the whole thing. So, um, I feel in Maria Full of Grace, the editor would love to have had some, you know, not necessarily the chickens being killed, but he would have loved to have had a bit of that attitude. And even with the band, you know, choosing to have the light and the lights kind of blinging um, in the shots as whether that was kind of they were blessed with the sunlight or whether that's kind of design they've kind of directors put lights behind the band and so they're moving in front of the light and the lights crashing against the lens but there's one to me has got real attitude and one to me just is trying to have attitude and you know not wishing to kind of heap the dirt on your doorstep but you as directors that's kind of something that you need to be so aware of when you kind of go into shooting your film you know whatever you kind of that style just be you know it's the film's going to be the film's going to be what you shoot you know it isn't you're not going to you're not going to shoot it like kind of you know Stanley Kubrick and expect to cut it like Danny Boyle you know it just just won't. It's a square peg in a round hole. It just, it just won't. There's a place for everything, you know, in a scene, and and I don't necessarily believe that, you know, if if your film required a sequence to be cut as 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 pacey as as that and had that kind of attitude, and then the next scene you just went, you know, slam into a living room, and you shot and you sat on a three shot and three people had a conversation for a minute and then you kind of left again. I think that that was, that's, I think that's great filmmaking. You know, you've chosen, you know, you know what this scene, I've got this, this frame, that's what I'm gonna do. And you know, producer might be barking down your neck and saying, you know, you've got to have a close up. You've got to go in for the close ups. You go, no, I don't want a close up. You know, the, what's the scene about? The scene's just, it's a scene setter. It's, it's kind of, you know, these guys are talking about, you know, going to the pub on Thursday. You know, why do I want to have a close-up? You know, mm. let's go to the pub on Thursday. You kind of go, what? You know, it's oh, is it Thursday? Is it the pub? Is there danger? You know, it's kind of. It's funny how the audience do perceive kind of shot changes and shot sizes. Yeah. I, I would, I would love to um, cut assemble a film and go through the cutting process of the film without any music mm. you know music comes later you know I know there are there are you break those rules by when you have to have kind of incidental music that plays a part in the scene that's all well and good but I know we have to kind of we have to kind of temp up films these days for you know it's amazing that you know in this modern world that we live in that you know a producer or an executive or a funder you know haven't got the imagination to watch a film and not know that you know you know you've shot it in a studio but you're saying we're, we're actually on a boat at sea oh we need to hear the waves and we need to hear seagulls and you know even though you can't see can't them, pick, they can't kind of you know, <coughs> um, you know add, add add music and you know to me it's kind of it, it can all of the all of that stuff that because you can do it you know people do it um Kind of sometimes it can cloud actually what you want to do with the cut. You know that you know when you, know, you can put the theme from Gladiator on a 
on a fight sequence and all of a sudden you know the fight mm. sequence you think, it's working. you think it's absolutely working and then your composer comes on and he's got kind of two violins and you know and a drum kit in his garage and you kind of take off the gladiator soundtrack and he just kind of goes and we kind of go why is the scene just fallen on its ass and you know actually you know it can be the kiss of death you know sometimes and I know we have to do it, but it's kind of, I would say, you know, I think it's healthy that once you've got all the funders on board and your film is kind of, everyone's kind of said, yep, yeah, that's the story, that's the film we want to make, I feel that you should kind of then build in another block of editing time where you strip all that fucking shit off that's all going to be replaced, look at the film, and actually then kind of go through that kind of distilling process where you actually look at every scene and you know, yeah, you've done your performance checks and everything else, but you kind of go, yeah, are we doing exactly the right thing with this scene? Yeah. Yeah. Are we, is, is this the ultimate, this is the ultimate cut of the scene, you know, to be able to go through that. And you know, it leads me broadly onto, you know, the editing kind of schedule, you know, and I won't go, go on about this too much, but the, you know, you can't have enough editing time. You really can't, you know. And you know, I think that you know, I know everything gets crunched, and you kind of you know, used to have eight weeks to shoot, and now you've only got six, and next year you'll only have five, and you know the fine cutting period. But you know, editing is such a is, is is that part of the process where you need to kind of keep stepping away and stepping back, getting distance from it in order to feel it, because you know, it's 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 a stone in a pond, you know, the ripple. You make kind of one change in one scene, and you know it, it just it has to ripple through all the film. You know? And the worst situation I've known: lots of people that have been it the week, the day before they're about to lock. You know, someone said we should take this scene out. And they've gone, yeah, show it to me without that scene. Oh yeah, no, it's it's great. That, that's kind of yeah, we should take that scene out. And then we've got to lock tomorrow, and you've taken the scene out, and you kind of go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll take that scene out. And then, what's the director doing for the next kind of six weeks of post in the dub? Do you really think we should have taken that scene yeah. out? I'd love to see it with that scene back in again. You know, and it's too late, it's gone. You know, the thing's been conformed, it's been kind of going into grading, and, you know, it's it's tough, but, you know, I think... Every... You've all kind of... You know, you've, you've done it, so it is... But you get to that point where you make one change and you've almost got, got to watch the entire film through. Yeah, okay? yeah, pretty much. It's pretty time-consuming. Pretty, pretty much. hard to maintain a distance from when you've seen the same film. It is. Time you, know, you will abandon it, so, yeah. you know. Um, anyway, so I hope that was kind of useful. And, uh, Thank you very much. And Thank you for listening to STGI Directors and Dialogue. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.stgi.ie.